Hi everyone and welcome back to The Advice Show. I'm Zach, a reporter at New Model Advisor, and today we're discussing pension transfer overpayments in the wake of an investigation by New Model Advisor. Joining me today is David Brooks, Head of Policy at Pensions Administrated Broadstone Corporate Benefits, and Carla Langley, Founder of Financial Planning Consultancy, The Langley Consultancy. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, pleasure. Nice to meet you. Um, I just want to say a little bit about the investigation before we get started. Um, So listeners will find an article on the New Model Advisor website entitled Revealed Capita Demands £1 million of DB Transfer Money Back from Members. This investigation found that a host of defined benefit pension scheme administrators demanded the return of tens of thousands of pounds from former members after they discovered errors in their transfer value calculations. Uh, We've now become aware of at least 20 cases where former members have been sent letters demanding between £19,000 and £90,000. It's understood that Capita, Mercer and TPT Retirement Solutions have threatened legal action if the money is not repaid. I should say that Capita did not provide a comment when approached by NMA. You can find comments from all the other firms mentioned at the bottom of the article, which is linked in the description of this podcast. Um, so firstly, Carla, much of this came about through the Langley Consultancy Coffee Lounge, uh, a roundtable discussion group where advisors realised that this was a common issue. Um, could you just tell us how this issue came about and what the impact has been amongst the advice community? Yeah, of course. Um, it's quite interesting, actually, because, as you say, we run a, a roundtable coffee lounge group where probably about 100 of us get together every two weeks um, to talk all things um, pension transfers. And An issue came up with one of the advisors where they said, I just want to talk about this. One of my clients has received this um, threatening legal letter and um, I'm just not quite sure what we should do about it. What do other people think? Um, And that really kicked it, kicked started things. um, Because as soon as they said that, we then had other people go, oh, yeah, this has happened to us as well. Or this happened last year um, with us. And then from that point, it it was quite interesting, actually, Zach, because from that point over the next six months, we then had probably every two weeks, a new case coming to the coffee lounge and someone going, oh, since you've mentioned that, that's now happened to us. Our clients received that letter. Um, And we were kind of, actually, the the reason we've tried to get a bit of noise around this is we felt a little bit on our own with it because it just kept happening and there was nothing in the press. There was, it seemed like no one knew that this was happening. and when you see some of those letters as well, that some of the, the legal letters, they're very threatening. And they're going, these are going to ordinary people, just ordinary people. And you think, oh my gosh, especially when they're demanding, you know, £90,000 back, you think this just, this isn't right. This can't be right. We can't just ignore it. Um, so that's how it all came about. And hence um, why we ended up with more and more and more cases coming out of the woodwork. And David, you know, what was your reaction to this story? And, and how could these errors have happened? Um, well, my initial reaction was this is very interesting because I hadn't seen anything like this before. So, I mean, obviously mistakes happen um, on pension schemes from time to time. But uh, as Carla was saying, these mistakes on transfer values will always be big numbers. You know, people can make mistakes. So you might make a mistake on a, a person's calculation of their retirement benefits. You know, you're dealing with thousands of pounds, you know, maybe hundreds of pounds, you're dealing with tens of thousands of pounds and hundreds of thousands of pounds of transfer values. Um, so yeah, so I was I was interested to to learn more about the the, um, the situation, how it could arise, how it could arise. Well, that we might be here all day trying to work out different reasons how these things can happen. Um, one could be just basic record keeping, so the data wasn't in good condition, um, and so yeah, so dates of leaving might be wrong, salaries were wrong. So going back to that actual pension that the person had when they left the scheme could have been based on wrong assumptions or, or, or wrong figures. And then transfer values themselves are fairly complicated things. They're a bit of a black box to most members. You know, any member 
who gets a transfer value, there's absolutely no way they're going to be able to work out how that mm, number's been calculated. Course, yeah. You need, you know, you need transfer. That's why there's pension transfer specialists, and that's why there's yeah. actuaries to do these things. So they're they're a black box. So member, you know, I have a lot of sympathy because the members are just going to be on on the end of this. And then so within that calculation, there are lots of assumptions. So the actuary will be making assumptions about mortality, making assumptions on inflation, the intervening periods, and these kind of things. Um, and if any of those numbers turn out to be wrong, well then the whole thing is wrong. And you've seen some quite big numbers. I think in your story there was some, you know, get, you know, seven hundred thousand pound transfer value, which should have been a lot less than that, or twenty twenty or thirty thousand less than that. And I think that's down to an inflation assumption. So I can assume possibly that the person the person who did it thought it should have been um, RPI when it was CPI, and that in itself could have quite a big difference if the member is relatively mm. young. There's a lot of time for that to to have an impact. So. Mm. I still don't think I've quite got to the how, but I've kind of got to the maybe the why a bit. I don't know. I think, um, Zach, if you don't mind me jumping in there, I think there's a, there's a few other things there to think about. And actually, firstly, um, Dave, you might not know this, but one of the cases that has recently come to light is not a transfer value case. It's someone who took benefits from the scheme. And actually, they've been taking benefits for the last six years, and they were told that their benefits on a monthly basis was £930, and they've been paid £930 um, and then they received a letter only a few weeks back to say actually I'm sorry we totally miscalculated your benefits and it should have only been £360 a month that's a huge amount that's massive and that's life-changing to, to someone so that's that's interesting but we'll come back to that in a second I think this how has it happened I think it's interesting because I think a big part that's been played in all of this is um, the scheme administrators and the movement of scheme administrators and we all know just just in fact, bring it, bringing it back to the financial planning space. We know when we move back office systems in financial planning, the data migration, right, is a nightmare. It's an absolute headache. Data goes all over the place and you have to be really careful with that. I think that's played a big part in this, this situation, which is schemes get moved. They get moved between administrators. And I think when that's happened, what's probably happened is data's migrated over either into the wrong place or incorrectly. And I, I just think that actually there's been a massive um, lack of diligence over that data and making sure it's right and it's accurate. Yeah, I think diligence is the key word. And, um, you know, a big question, of course, is responsibility in these cases, right? And so on the pension scheme administrator side, they would say, and I believe they have said in a lot of cases, that they're legally entitled to recover these overpayments. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk to you guys about the guidance from the pensions ombudsman uh, and about the wording there. Um, because while they are legally entitled, um, I believe the exact wording is that um, if the uh, ex-scheme member believes that the benefits they were being paid were correct, and spent money or made financial decisions on the basis of receiving those benefits, uh, they may have grounds to argue that they should not have to repay some or all of the money that has already been paid. Now, of course, in these cases, many of them years later, you'd find it hard to argue not uh, against the fact that they would have made financial decisions based off these That's transfer crazy. values. Yeah. Um, so do you think this guidance is is enough? Do you think it's ambiguous at all? I'm look I'll, I don't mind going first on this day because I've got quite a strong opinion on this and it might surprise you I absolutely think that the money should go back to the scheme right absolutely of course it should because it's wrong the money should go back into the scheme the scheme shouldn't suffer because there are other members in that scheme who that money is for it's for their pensions the scheme sh should not suffer so that money needs to go back into the scheme however that's not the end of the story and I think that's the important bit isn't it that's not the end of the story and when you read some of these legal letters they word it as though that is the end of the story 
we've put the money back in and everyone's happy and we all go off. That's not the end of the story because we've got a person who actually their life has been significantly changed because of this in, this incorrect calculation. So that bit needs to be put right. And that's where you go, does the liability sit with the scheme? No, it doesn't because it's the scheme shouldn't have to pay for that error. But someone needs to pay for that error and someone needs to put that right. And I think, look, if people have made irreversible decisions because let's not forget that they've made irreversible decisions to transfer out of that scheme based on a transfer value they've received advice on that it was a a statutory requirement to get advice on that they've received advice they've transferred out they've made an irreversible decision and then for the last what three four five six years they've been living their life based on what what they expected they should be entitled to and they should have there's no reason is there for those people to have known that that was wrong or absolutely no reason for them to have had any um, understanding that that wasn't their entitlement so for me actually I think the scheme should be put right of course it should but someone's got to pick up that tab for actually fixing the other part of the story which is the fact that someone's been significantly impacted by this okay I, I won't necessarily disagree with what you've said but I think there is the nature of the relationship between the administrator, the actuary does the you know the, the calculation of the transfer value and the trustees in that that actuary and administrator are working on a delegated situation from the trustees. Yeah. Ultimately, it's the trustee's responsibility to make sure things are done correctly. And that and the actuary and the administrator just happen to be the arm of that. And while I'd, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say all those third parties that have done it wrong are in the clear and it should all go back to the member. I do think it's due process is to go to the member first and say, you've received something you're not entitled to, you know, and I think the the financial argument that, you know, put across the ombudsman about you've made you know, irreversible decisions and you've made financial decisions based on this is really hard to prove from the member's perspective. It's really hard to prove that you did X, you know, if a transfer value is, is £700,000, £750,000 and it's, and it should have been £740,000 mm-hmm. say, or whatever, would that person still not have transferred? Well, actually, transferred? probably yes. And that's, that's Dave, it's really hard. Sorry, God, it's really hard to, to prove that they would not have transferred or not have done that. Now, they might be, it's not, you know, they've done things after that. I, I'm just telling you, yeah. you know, I've been through cases like this and yeah. lawyers always will say that it's very hard to prove that you would not have done this. You've made irreversible decisions. You took, you bought a house, massive mortgage so based, on, based on this information. But... I do think ultimately it will come down to because the members won't be able to pay. They'll they'll they will um, they'll refuse to pay and not engage and whatever. And the, ultimately, the trustees' responsibility will turn to look. We need the money back in the scheme, and so the the advisors are going to have to put their hands in the pocket or share some of that cost with the employer or, 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 the, or the scheme itself. That's ultimately where it will probably end up. But I do think there's a due process that has to go through. But I think actually that irreversible decision, there is, I think that is black and white because it was an irreversible decision. What we're talking about is transferring out of a DB scheme is an irreversible decision. Are they going to let them back in? Yeah. So actually there's another element to it, isn't there? Which is the bit that actually they're refusing to, to cooperate with, which is, was my advice right? If the transfer value was wrong, then the big question is, was my yeah. advice right? Because I made a decision and it's irreversible because they're not letting them back in, Dave. They're not letting them back in. Of course yeah. they're not. They're not letting yeah. them back in. So it was an irreversible decision. The same with the guy who took benefits and didn't transfer out. It's an irreversible decision. So the big question mark is, was my advice right? That's the first question. Now, interestingly, a lot of advisors have gone back to the schemes and said, are you going to pay for this person to, re- to re-review all their advice based on now the correct numbers because that's the starting point let's re-review all the advice a lot of them have said no 
we're not going to pay for that. Well, that's got to be the starting point because we have to review that advice. And you're spot on, Dave. Look, if it's only a 10 grand difference, will that have made a big difference to the advice? In some cases, absolutely not. Because that's it. we can always park the client. We can say, what would the advice have been? Would the advice have been to transfer or would it have been to stay where you are? That's a really important, a really important point. And I think if the advice was, well, it would have been to transfer anyway, the next question is, right, well, we need to put that scheme right. And whoever's liable for that, um, whoever's liable for that has to be put right. But someone has to make the other part of the situation right, which is someone actually has based the financial plan on this pot of money so is there a loss to the client has the client um is the detriment there that's the bit that we need to look at so we're not saying that that payment the client should have should absolutely reflect the overpayment from the scheme because i don't think it should i think that goes back into the scheme but we have to have some sort of method of going has this client lost out have they lost out in some way and been suffered detriment because of this error and this negligence? Because let's be honest, it's negligence. That's what we're talking about. It's negligence. And just on the advice angle of that, of course, if the advice is rendered unsuitable based off an incorrect transfer of value, what should happen then? Because there, there doesn't seem to be any port of call, right? Well, should it not just be the same process we go through with anyone? If a DB case was unsuitable, then we have to go through the whole redress calculation of what, how do we put that right? I think that would be the sensible answer in that case. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Yeah. And does it does it speak to, you know, uh, um, of course, the comments sort of speak for themselves, but we do understand that in a lot of these cases, any legal action that's been threatened has been quickly withdrawn. Um, so in some cases, unfortunately, members have still have paid out because they haven't realized this. And of course, why would they? Yeah. Um, but we do understand that um, a lot of these le- this this legal action has been sort of put out desperately, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. um, and dropped quite quickly. So does that sort of tell us a lot about the motivations? I think yeah. there's a lot of reputational risk with these kind of incidents. And, and I think... Okay, Carla's talking about negligence, but mistakes happen. People make mistakes, honest mistakes. These things happen from time to time. And it's how you deal with it is usually the, is the thing that people remember the most. You know, people make mistakes. Um, it's how you go about get, doing it, putting it right. And, if, and, yeah, threatening legal action is always dangerous if you're not really going to back it up or you don't have a very sound base to do that. And In terms of the happen. mistakes, though, David, I mean, I, yeah. I just want to say, you know, of course, this does happen from time to time, but it does seem just from speech, from investigating and, and talking around, it does seem that there has been a bit of an avalanche recently. So I just wondered if this was um, a thing that happened from time to time or if there's a particular sort of a particular trend going now. I, have, I must admit, that's the reason why your story made my eyebrows i've got big eyebrows and they went up quite fast because i have i'm in all my 20 odd years i've never heard of transfer values being you know being done incorrectly to this to this level you know again you know they are complicated but i've never heard of it before i've heard of retirement calculations being done wrong and things like this and being quickly resolved and they're much easier to resolve when the member's still in the scheme so you can you know you can adjust payments going forward because there's such a one and done when you transfer out, as Carla says, there's no way back and you've got to try to fix it outside the scheme. And it's, as we can see, it's very messy. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not aware in, in the industry of our, our side of it, I suppose, I feel like I'm on the other side of Carla. Our side of it, it's not something that we're talking about, to be honest. It's not Until Carla's um, coffee morning raised it, it wasn't something that mm-hmm. I'm aware of. 
Do you think, actually, one thing I've been thinking about with all of this, Zach, is obviously there's been... Um, there's been a lot of um, audits and, and whatnot on some of these schemes, which is why all of this stuff is coming to light. And Zach, I'm with you that with the um, how just how often these things are coming up now, it feels like every week there's a new case. And actually, do you know, interestingly, it's not just um, we've overpaid you, it's underpayments as well. Um, so we've seen some significant underpayments. Um, so they've paid out the opposite way, which I think is just as worrying um, from the scheme, the scheme side of things, because you go, oh, my God, how many underpayments are you going to have to um, top up, which is scary. This is also a, a simpler point, but I think it does deserve to be made of complexity in our in the British pension system. Um, and I wanted to gather both of your thoughts really on it, um, which seems to be causing all kinds of issues. I mean, you know, if you've had a pension for the last 20, 30 years, you've gone through an uh, sort of unimaginable amount of changes, really. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? I'll just say something quickly. There's someone who comes to one of these, um, the coffee lounges, I won't name them, but we talked about this recently and I love the analogy they used, which is like, um, which is the British government when it comes to pension um, and pension legislation. We are just hoarders. We love to just keep everything we've got and then bring new stuff in, but we just hoard all the old rules. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's so are, complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More exactly. And more and more. It is crazy. Yeah, I agree. Just keep shoving it in top of the hopper. The issue is because everyone's, you know, too scared to change the past. So you have to have reams of protection. And like, just as an example, lifetime allowance is going. Big news. Fantastic. That's going to be easy. And if you've read any of the new guidance around how the lifetime allowance is going to work from April 24, please bring back the lifetime allowance because it's just going to be even harder, yeah. <laughs> potentially. At least more complicated for the, for a while. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I think that's the, the thing, Zach, with all of this. Because um, I know some of the advisors who are linked to some of this advice that we're talking about are a little bit worried because they're going, well, should we have spotted, should we have spotted these errors? And actually you go, well, to be fair, a lot of these, pe- a lot of these calculations, when they come through, they're not broken down. They don't break down the calculations for you. Um, so, no, you probably shouldn't have spotted the errors because you're not actuaries it's not that's not your job it's not, it's not their it's that's why yeah exactly that it's, it's not their job that's why that's why you've got actuaries and because it's no, I, just, I totally agree there are like i said at the top there are black box and mm-hmm. each scheme will do it differently so you can't compare one scheme to the other some scheme might be trying to boost transfer values well they don't do so much anymore but it used to boost transfer values to make them more enticing some of them are reducing them because the scheme hasn't got enough money you know all, there's all sorts of reason why one scheme transfer value looks different to the next so yeah. they're incomparable yeah Absolutely. I think the interesting thing with this, though, and one thing that I thought was worth picking up is for those clients who have spent this money, I think it's an interesting one because there have been some cases where someone's bought a house or that money's gone. It's not currently sat there and, you know, it can't just come out and go back to the scheme. And I think that's a real struggle, isn't it, in terms of what what do we do? What's the right thing to do? And I don't know the answer, to be honest. Particularly if, if, you know, this goes down a sort of redress route. Um, you know, how does that, if you bought a house, how does that, uh, how does that compute with any kinds of, any kinds of redress made? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What if they don't have those liquid assets and they've got to pay back and I don't know how that's going to work. Quite honestly, I think it's a absolute mess. But the other thing that that sits alongside that is if we go, well, actually for those people, we just kind of write it off. Well, is that fair? Because <laughs> that's not fair. We can't just write it off because you decided to spend it. So that's fine. You can keep it. But everyone else has got to um, to pay money back. I just think it's such a mess. I don't know how we're going to deal with it, quite frankly. 
And in terms of, um, I mean, you know, we spoke about how these errors could have happened earlier and, and, you know, there could be a variety of reasons for that. I mean, on the on the sort of letters I've seen, there's also a variety of ways it's sort of packaged up. Either it's an automated error, either in many cases they've just said error and not explained why, which is, is crazy when you're then asking for 60, 70 grand. Um, but I just wanted to ask if we thought that, if we thought it was a, a, just a data thing, or we thought there was something else going on. It's very, it's, it's pretty much impossible to say, and I suspect they're all different. I, I do, you know, I think the Capital One, they seem to, or the Northumbria Water One, they seem to suggest there was some problem with inflation. I do think that will just be, they did a batch of calculations and they had not picked up the fact that for whatever reason, inflation has something to change. I hope it wouldn't be because, you know, we know RPI and CPI are merging in in 10 years time and actually to have to take that into account i would hope it's not that but it's probably just you know just the fact mm-hmm. that somebody in a spreadsheet or in a calculation engine just had the wrong inflation assumption in there mm-hmm. and that could have been as carla was saying you know when you're migrating a scheme across you'll be migrating across loads of data and that's a friction point and things can go wrong there but also when you're coding up a new calculation system to do your transfer value calculations you're starting from a blank sheet and you're populating it and you know human mm-hmm. error wrong inflation assumption and it, again, it can have yeah. big impacts. So it's prob- that's probably where it's just come down to. I think it's really important that we know that though, don't we? Because actually it's a great example you gave there, Dave, because if it was actually just the, the data, the data migration, and actually that's just not been diligently moved from one scheme administrator to another, and you can kind of go, right, that's the trustees, that, that's the trustees' fault because that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to make sure that the data is, is accurate and it's right, and they should be, they should have processes in place to make sure they're happy with that that move from one scheme administrator to the other. I'm not even going to blame the administrators in that, in that point. I think it's the trustees who sit over the top of that to go, actually, we're comfortable that that data is accurate. I think the interesting part is the calculation that actually if we're talking about the calculation and it's that we've built, built a system from scratch and we've put the wrong data in or we've used the wrong inflation figure, sorry to use your example, then we go, well, potentially that the liability there sits with the, mm-hmm. the actuaries, actually, rather than the trustees because we're expecting the actuaries to do this right. And I think it's quite interesting just really nailing down what the error was what the error was, because I think that starts to nail down actually ultimately who should pick up the bill for this. Because I don't think it's the same person in all cases who's in the wrong and should potentially pick up the bill for this. I think we all agree it shouldn't be the scheme, but I think we've got to be really clear on what the error were, what the errors were in these cases. And my worry is that some of them turn around and say, we're not sure. We're not sure where the error lay. That's worrying because <laughs> you go, right, okay, what do you want us to do with that? I think the interesting thing, though, with that side of the process is the transfer paperwork they sign on the way out. Because in a few of these cases, we've gone back to look at that transfer paperwork. And there's a line in there that the, um, they put in there, which almost tries to, um, it's their way out of this situation, which is basically if there's any, um, and really it should be about tax. Look, if tax changes in the interim between the money moving and all of those kind of things, then you will put us right. But there's kind of this cap- all um, term in there which um, basically covers them that if there's any um, losses or miscalculations or whatever um, that you you will pay us back um, which is interesting because you go is that and I'd love to get a legal person's view on that to go is that is that um, is that fair actually can we put that in in paperwork for an ordinary person Um, is that fair to put that in there I'm not I'm not sure it is fair Definitely. Well, as as you sort of mentioned, Carla, there's much more to come on this story um, and you model advisor will be following it 
um, every step of the way as well. Uh, Dave, Carla, I want to thank you both for joining us on this episode. Um, it was a fantastic one. So thanks so much. Lovely. Thanks, Zach. Thank thanks for asking. You've been listening to The Advice Show with myself, David Brooks, Head of Policy at Pensions Administrated Broadstone Corporate Benefits, and Carla Langley, founder of financial planning consultancy, The Langley Consultancy. For any questions, please feel free to tweet us at New Model Advisor or email us at nmateam at citywire.co.uk. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.